0: Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. Our guest tonight is Barton Ramsey. Barton is a close friend of the twins. And uh, backstage, we just reminded ourselves that we have actually met before also and barton is a father of three he's a proud husband he's the owner of the southern oak kennels a successful dog trainer former rock band member and an associate youth pastor did i miss anything there barton yeah i have a tech company tech company Uh, all right
1: we own a dog training company that teaches people how to train their own dogs it's an online learning platform so that's the only thing you missed though super cool all (laughs) right well sorry i missed that one that's that sounds awesome
0: so, Barton, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, and uh, we'll kind of just let the audience get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. I grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, along with the twins, um, graduated from high school here and played metal in a, in a, I hate to call it a Christian metal band, but it was a it was a bunch of metalheads that believed in Jesus, right? So that was the, love that it. the premise. And we wrote songs. That, I mean, the Old Testament is full of a bunch of super metal stuff. So. Oh, dude, yeah. Uh we wrote songs about that and toured around the world and didn't eat meat, you know regrettably, and did the whole trendy like christian straight edge metal thing and um in like two thousand six, I had not gone to college yet, and my dad my dad was the photographer around here, so like the twins and all their brother like everyone's school pictures around here was taken by my dad, and my granddad, so everyone knew my family, and uh he was like he would always say, "Hey, you know." whenever you decide to go to college, I'll pay for it. Like, I want you to get an education. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, um, finally those conversations changed to like, Hey, if you want me to pay for your college, you should probably go. And I was like, dang, I'm going to miss this boat. So my uncle lived in Dallas and worked at a church that had a, like a seminary attached to it called Criswell college. And I called him and he had just been through a pretty gnarly divorce. He was my hero. I'm sure we'll get into talking about him. He was kind of my mentor spiritually. And I said, hey, can I come live with you and like go to that school? And um, so I moved out to Dallas, went to um, an undergrad seminary. So I kind of skipped the whole like go to college and then seminary. Like I did the biblical studies theology degree right off the bat. Um, Met my wife there in Dallas, got married really young, 21 and 19 That was in 2008 we just had our 15th anniversary and um congratulations yeah so moved on from that became a student pastor and then a family discipleship pastor started training dogs like for fun and then it was it was kind of one of those like hey if you're going to have this hobby it can't cost so much so i started figuring out ways to make it make money and that led to it becoming like I sat down in maybe 2014 or 15 with my accountant, which was my dad's accountant. I just like inherited this guy and he was like, Hey, you owe a bunch of taxes. And I was like, do what? You know, the church takes out money. He was like, well, you made a lot of money, a lot more money at your your other deal than you did at your, your church deal. And I was like, the church deal is my full-time job. Like I, I can't make more money at the other deal. And he's like, well, you did. So we started exploring what it would look like to just go the entrepreneur route uh, and we love, the freedom that provided for our family truly. Um, so we started the online platform around then 2016, 17. And yeah, we, uh, we have three kiddos that are 12, 10, and eight happy to chat about them. We homeschool out on a 20 acre property, about 20 miles North of Tupelo. And, uh, yeah, just kind of Living life, herding cats. My wife's actually speaking at an event this week. And uh, so she's on her way home from New Orleans right now. So I've been a single dad for the last three days. And that's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty, yeah, pretty wild. I, d-
0: I did that last week. I only have one kiddo, but uh, yeah, wife is out of town. So. We got you right now that you're all depleted and tired and worn out. And now we're going to do this podcast. So hope you're no, fine. I'm just
1: super happy to talk to adults.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: oh right. God, this, these conversations are wearing on me, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's continue the adult conversation to do your, your therapy live right here. So, um, tell us a little bit about that uncle relationship and I guess with your dad too, it sounds like your dad was, you know, very present, very involved and yeah, for sure. provided well. So tell us a little bit about more of the roles that those men played for you and how that's prepared you to be a dad and how you've taken those lessons
1: man um i'll start with my dad he, he's a great guy i had lunch with him today he is truly one of my best friends um we we grew we were a christian home like we went to church on sundays we had bibles like around our house but i mean maybe prayed before family meals if everyone was together and my dad made sure that we were like at church, but that was really the extent of the spiritual like discipleship that took place in our home, which I feel like is probably ninety plus percent of families around here. You know, it's like, hey, church is one of those deals you just go. Everyone goes. And um discipleship didn't really take place per se. My dad loved us very well. He was an excellent father. Um the, the most lacking part would have been spiritual you know, and, and he's the oldest of four brothers. The third uh, was went to seminary, became a youth pastor and sort of, I was a preteen when he was a youth minister and I was like, he's the coolest person on earth, you know? And so he became a a college minister in Dallas, Texas at first Baptist Dallas, when I was in like middle school, going into high school and would invite me on all the mission trips, the, the camps, the ski trips, and these, I mean, First Baptist Dallas is there's a lot of connection there. So the people that were like our ski trips, the worship leaders were Shane and Shane. So, or David Crowder and the guys that were speaking were like these dudes that That's wild. I didn't know any different. I just thought they were just bros. Like I was like, oh, these dudes are cool, but they were, like, <laughs> big, you know, and uh, in fact, I saw Shane and Shane the other night at uh, at your church, Brandon, which was super awesome. Cause I, I walked in and I was like, what's up, dudes? like, I hadn't seen him in probably 12 <laughs> years. Um, but he, he really was my spiritual influence and and I'm thankful for that, for the Lord providing like a a father who loved us. Well, I learned a lot of things about being a dad from my dad. I also learned a lot of what I didn't necessarily want to do as a dad. Um, but my uncle was the one that spiritually was that anchor. Uh, and I, I, I keep that pretty close at heart because I feel like Statistically speaking, you really need that one person, someone who's spiritually like leading and guiding and discipling you. Uh, or it's easy to just, you know, get to 18 and say, Peace, you know, I'm, I've got freedom. I don't have, no one's making me go to church every Wednesday. I'm out of here. So he was really that guy for me. And um, I mean, we're still super close. He's in Dallas, Texas. And his son, I think I'm that guy for his son. And he works for me now. He owns one of my kennel locations in Texas. So. Um, it's it's cool to see that sort of replicated yeah. generations with us. That's beautiful
0: to kind of see it, you know, carrying forward. Yeah. All, all his work is now kind of being reinvested in in his That's son. That's right. That's awesome. Well, his son,
1: his son was a football. Stone is his name, and he's he was a football player in high school. He was really good. Got recruited by a lot of D one schools, and really just like I mean, he played really well, but it, like discipline wise, and girls, and just he had a tough time in college and uh, my uncle was like, all right, you can join the military or you can go live with cousin Barton and learn how to train dogs. So he chose cousin Barton. And uh, there was multiple times that I was like, Hey bud, military might've been a better choice. I'm like, <laughs> you out of here. But we're super tight now and he's doing really well, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see that kind of passed down. And I felt like a um, healthy sense of obligation. You know, I was like, Hey, like I, I get to do this now I mean, this guy my uncle invested i lived with him for three years he officiated my wedding with bethany really like he was like our when we dated and we went home from a date he was there so we talked relationships and all that with him and uh it was it was fantastic so i'm, I'm happy to kind of reinvest that with him
2: yeah and so you're you so as you said your uncle is the one that was kind of your spiritual anchor and and kind of the one that helped you with your your walk and your maturity. And your dad seemed to be the one that just always supported you in anything that you had an idea of. So, my, my question is, w- with your dad doing that, supporting everything, was was there anything that was working um, that you you wanted to, to stick with, and then you just kind of the dogs fell in, into the into play, or like how did that affect your your life trajectory? I guess is what my question is.
1: Yeah, um, my dad's like way of loving people is, is giving gifts. And he's, you know, financially you know for living in Mississippi, it doesn't cost a lot to live here, but he's well off, you know, he's, he's done really well career wise. And so we didn't ever want for anything. We had everything we needed. And he was so supportive that sometimes it was annoying. Sometimes it was like, Hey man, like I'm married. I have kids. Like I got a family of my own, but, I really could use that 10 grand you know to buy this deal for my business so yeah let's just not talk about it you know it was like i i wanted to be independent you know i wanted to and i was uh i was a youth pastor discipleship pastor that is not a lucrative career you know i mean that's yeah certainly. you're not you're not you know investing that's news to me What? yeah you're not you're not taking the, uh, any sort of nice vacations with your family um not that those things are most important but i was I was, I wanted to spend that kind of time. I grew up with a family where we, we went to Destin, you know, we, we went on ski trips, we did stuff like that. And I was like, at one point we started having kids and I realized if I didn't find some sort of supplemental income, we're never going to do that. My kids are not going to experience that. The boat's a good one, but I'm sure we'll get to that. But just, I grew up on a boat. And so I wanted my kids to grow up on the water. Unless someone invites you as a youth pastor, you're, you're not going to, unless you want to fish from the bank. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, my dad would, and I didn't really understand this. I was 22, 23, 24 when I really started getting into the Southern Oak Kennels journey. And he would constantly call, You need anything? You know, and he saw the vision that I had. And when I say he believed in it, I mean 110%. He would have given me his last dollar just to get this going. And so a Bethany the other day, we were talking about this and she, she made some comment about how she's like, yeah, like we haven't borrowed money from your dad. And I was like, yeah, in like seven years, like a long time, you know, but those first few years of my business, he was the bank, you know, it was like, Hey, interest-free. What do you need? You need a dog trailer wow. you need a new stud dog and, and believed in that in such a way that it really enabled me to like, I don't know when you, when you're, there's a, there's a lot to be said of people who go all in and they're like, Hey, if this doesn't work, I have nothing to fall back on. I think that there's probably some motivation that comes from that. For me, it was a little different. It was like, hey, at the end of the day, I have a dad who I know is not going to let us like lose the house. Um, he's not. So I can I can go all the way all in because I'm not really risking my kids like not eating a good meal. Because yeah. Of my dad. So yeah. he was supportive in that way, if, if that makes sense. It makes yeah. You yeah. Completely.
0: So just, yeah. And this is, this is like what we talk about, right? This is the goal of involved successful fatherhood is you're able to bless your kids in this way. Right. So obviously the stories where someone overcomes immense hardship and that, you know, Hey, this is my only shot. If I didn't make it, I was doomed type of thing. Those are inspiring. Um, and there's a lot of people who have been successful that way, but that's not the ideal. Right. And I, I think a lot of those right. people too would say, I hope to provide better for my kids. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's good to hear that like your story is in a lot of ways like the ideal that people should aspire to uh, to rise to and pass it on to the next generation. So, thanks yeah. for sharing that. I, I don't
1: Those think things. I fully understood it until I had kids and specifically till right. I had Noah. Obviously for the girls I'd do anything. I, I, there was a video going around social media the other day where they were asking a bunch of moms like would you kill for your child? And the moms were like, I don't know. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, i do anything, especially for my girls. I'll get my done right now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The second my son was
3: born, I was like, I just became a murderer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If I needed to be. Um, But no, for for Noah, like, you know, he chases his dreams. And and I get that comment all the time. Like, oh, it's so cool that you're doing this for your kid, taking him out in the boat and all this stuff and sacrificing this. And I'm like, well, I, I think I learned that from my dad. More importantly, I think I fully understand it now that I'm on the other side. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, I would do anything, anything at all. If he had a vision and I said, hey, this unless it's just crazy, you know, if he has a, a vision that makes sense and I knew he was going to chase after it, I would give every last, last penny to see it succeed. Yeah. And yeah. He's, yeah, he's working hard and, and you're yeah. teaching me
0: values and stuff. It's not like you're just spoiling him or something. Not, uh, we don't enable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Big
0: difference. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, yeah, Justin, so you say, were about to go
1: yeah
3: i was gonna say i I like that you're jumping into the boat already so i kind of wanted to get into that um what do you think as a father it's why is it so important to get your kids out of the house especially nowadays and get them into the outdoors and and what are some of the hobbies you and your kids have
1: together doing that man i grew up in a family that loved the great indoors like we we did i I loved being outside and we did we grew up in woodside circle west Tupelo, before it was overdeveloped there were you know, lots of woods. We played paintball. I was big into BMX. Um, but like my family really spent a lot of time inside and, uh, it wasn't like, we weren't encouraged to be out much. I wanted to be out. And, um, that is a little bit of a, like, Hey, it's going to be different for my kids. We're going to be outside. All of my kids I've, I've taken into the woods, hunting, uh, ducks and geese with me starting at the age of seven. Um, because I want them to learn the value of hunting. I want them to learn the, the, the like, failure of hunting, you know, the lessons that come with, hey, it was a bad hunt, uh, or the excitement of, hey, it was fantastic. I, as soon as they start hunting, I teach them how to clean birds, you know, this is, and they all love eating wild game. Uh, they're obsessed with it. So if I go on a hunting trip, their first question is not how many did you kill, it's how much meat did you bring home. Like, they want to eat it. Yeah, Uh, And then being outside in the boat, my best friend growing up was a a junior pro wakeboarder and we spent a lot of time on the water and I always told my wife who did not grow up loving the water at all. Like, Hey, we're going to have a boat at some point. When the kids are old enough, we're going to, we're going to be on the water. And She's all in now, thankfully. But man, when we're, when we're hunting ducks and geese, which is a big part of my job with the dogs, I, I breed dogs specifically for people who, duck hunt, pheasant hunt, upland hunt. So a large part of my job in the fall is traveling and hunting with those clients. And my, my kids get to go along a lot. Um, and when we're on the boat, on the water, there's no screens. You know, no, no one's begging for their attention. Uh, there's no YouTube. There's no, you know, Dude Perfect screaming in my ear. No offense to those guys. It's, it's great content, but like that's all. It's just us. We're talking. We're spending time together. We're trying hard things. We're moving. Um, so for me, it's it's imperative, uh, especially in this age where you know I meet a lot of kids and talk to a lot of families, and the amount of time spent on screens is just it's incredible. It's it's sad, really. And so for us, we want our kids to to grow up a little different than that. We want them to experience uh, the great outdoors and and look, you guys, twins grew up in. Uh, Ridgeway. Uh, I don't know how long you lived there, but you were there for a while. I used to ride my bike to Ridgeway. Dude, I, I, really,
3: I used to ride near you. We, yeah, Jordan and I would ride with you every now and four
1: miles, here. right? I mean, I'd ride a BMX bike through neighborhoods across Purnell Road, go to the country club and swim in the pool, mm-hmm. and then ride across the golf course, get cussed at by a bunch of old golfers that were mad, and then go through <laughs> hey, Sunnydale yeah. to Ridgeway. Well, I'm like five, three, four, five miles from home, no cell phone, on a bike, got to be home by dark. Yep. Those days are over. Yep. No kids doing Unfortunately. that, right? Yeah, It's just the world we live in. It's not happening. So I've constantly been trying to figure out, okay, what can we do so that my kids can have similar experiences to that? Is it like if we go to the lake and we, we park in a cove somewhere and they want to go to the beach and like hike up the trail by themselves and everything in me is saying, well, that's dangerous. And I'm like, no, no, no they got to do that they got to go learn to do that because they can't ride five miles across town anymore. Those days are gone. So if it's on a hunt and it's like, Hey, you want to go scout the field for us two fields over and see if there's any geese in there sort of thing like that, just figuring out ways that they can, they can live similarly to how I grew up in a day and age. That's very, very different. Um, is, is important to me.
0: Yeah. I've thought a lot about that too. And I have an only child who's a daughter and, uh, yeah it's hard to find places where like i don't have to be fully involved because there's just creepy people out there like everywhere you go and um there's just not a lot of places really unless you're like way out in the wilderness somewhere where you can kind of just let them roam a little bit because there's just so many things to be vigilant about so uh it's definitely a, a challenge um for anyone really yeah. where they're living but you know I, it's I guess if you have any more suggestions i'm I'm all ears because (laughs) i could use a few myself but i like the idea of getting out in nature because it's a little bit more kind of let them walk ahead of ways and stuff like that
1: yeah and they're not they're not attached to technology or even really looking for it out there you know i live um you know we have nearly 20 acres out here and and it's off the beaten path and so my kids usually wake me up outside you know i wake up and they're flying past on a one wheel holding two cats you know and i'm like what is happening you know it's six in the morning why are you awake but they wake up and the first thing they do is go outside all three of them i mean my son this morning (laughs) i had a near panic attack um i'm in my lodge right now which is a little place where we host clients and and we host our puppy days and all that and my house is about 150 yards that way well this morning noah was nowhere to be seen just gone now and, and my phone randomly would not turn on my wife's out of town i don't know if you ever had this happen but my iphone would not come on for two hours just i couldn't make it come on and I'm, I'm i'm not like a tech nerd but i'm pretty tech savvy with an iphone i was doing all the trick i couldn't get it on and noah was nowhere to be seen and i was like is this is it something happening like what is going on anyway he he woke up, went and let all my dogs out over here. There's 18 Labradors in the kennel, and then his computer was in the lodge. So he just came over here, uh, brought himself some Eggo waffles over here, and was doing his schoolwork. He was just on his computer doing schoolwork at 7.15 this morning. And I love that, man. We, you got to have a little bit of land. You know, There, yeah. a buddy yeah. of my country singer, Jordan Davis, you know, he wrote that Buy Dirt song. And I'm all in on that. You know, I love this stuff. Invest in a space for your kids to be able to be outside, whether it's your space you live or just a place where you can go like a hunting camp or something you lease where they can just be outdoors.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan's actually one of my favorites. Cause you know, I moved to Louisiana, but yeah, i say this, man, I think about North Mississippi all the time and I, I never thought I'd ever say that. But now that I have a son, I want to go on adventures and be outdoors. Cause it's like you said, we're, honestly, like, I feel like God wants us outdoors. God wants us out in nature and that's where we're supposed to find peace and we're supposed to find ourselves and, and learn to, you know, survive and stuff. So I I find myself more and more wanting to get up there and and go hunting with my brothers and and just, I mean, heck, I just bought a 308. I was like, I know it's a little overkill for deer, but it's still going to be fun. Yeah. And I wanted something I can take up to uh, the mountains in Colorado with some buddies and, you know, go elk hunting and stuff. But uh, man, I find myself missing that property. Cause I live in the heart of Lafayette and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's big city meets little town. It's nice. But at the same time, like I don't have, you know, like you said, the 28 suburbia. Yeah, yeah. it's it, I, I miss that. I, I have to be honest. Like I never thought I'd
1: miss that. You can, I, mean, I was part, a black
3: sheep, you know, so,
1: you know, even before really the fall, you know, Adam and Eve are, are tasked with cultivating that garden. And then after the fall, they're tasked with, you know, ruling over creation and and uh, the same exact task is given to Noah when they come off the ark. You know, you need to rule over this. And there's definitely something uh, primal is not even the right word because it's it's really just a God given foundational divine. Need. Yeah. Yeah. Divine uh, calling that and I'm maybe there are people who live in suburbia that find ways to like bring that out, you know, but for me, um, uh, it's gotta happen outside somewhere and, and I want my, yeah, want my kids to experience that. So thankfully the Lord has blessed us with the ability to do that. If we didn't live here, I would just, I've got a friend who, what he does is uh, instead of, we don't do Christmas gifts, we do trips and he does the same thing for Christmas and birthday and they do, um, national parks. So, constantly that's they're just traveling to to national parks and hiking and figuring out ways to keep, so you don't have to, you know, if, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, I can't buy 20 acres where I live. No worries. You know, there's other ways to get your kids outside. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, mo- if you're listening from the U S almost every state has some pretty amazing mm-hmm. terrain somewhere, um, yeah. maybe a little bit of a drive, but I've, I've crisscrossed most of the U S and every state has kind of its own unique uh, you know whether it's desert or forest or mountain, there's there's some pretty impressive places in the U.S. So um, you know just getting out there, and especially for your younger kids, like the first time they see something like that, whoa! You know it's it's one thing to see it in a book or on the internet, but to be there in person and to witness it for yourself is just you can't top that. So it's definitely a a great suggestion to get your kids outdoors. Um, Barton, I wanted to get back to a little bit. Uh, you know taking the leap, getting your, uh, you know, dog training and kennel business going and, um, one, the lessons through the journey, but then also now on the back end, like what that whole process has helped you take into fatherhood moving forward and to apply.
1: Yeah. You know, I was working for the church in Tupelo and it was, um, it was really an awesome job. I loved working there and some of the things that I learned there and that I was tasked with doing. I didn't plan it this way, but they were things that became like the crux of why our business was successful. The biggest one would be community development. So I was the family discipleship pastor, but my job really was like bringing people together for youth events, for life group, you know, getting people in life group. And I I, I did feel my two giftings when I worked there were teaching and then and then building community. And so when I started Southern Oak Kennels, I knew how to train dogs well. I, I've There are people out there way better than me. There are people way worse than me, but I, I knew how to get the work done. That's really like, can you do it or not? You know, it, it is what it is. And then I was blessed with, you know, my dad backing me financially and and the ability to bring over some really nice dogs from the UK that that were the type of dogs I wanted to breed. And that's really a thing you you learn, like how to produce nice dogs. But what really took our business to the next level quickly. We're, we're 11 years old right now. Uh, and, and one of, if not the largest British lab kennels in the USA and have been very successful in that amount of time. And the, the thing that I attribute that to is the community that we've built. And that was really from inadvertently taking what I was doing at church and just like applying it to what I was doing with business. And that was taking people and finding people that had the same passion and figuring out ways to bring them together, both social media wise and in person. And so I've loved bringing that over into what we do as a family. And that's, um, it's, it's one of my favorite things. And my wife is, she's a, she's an Enneagram type four. She's not antisocial by any means. (laughs) She's just way more introverted and, for me, all that means is being in a social setting drains her. I'm extroverted. Being in a social setting charges me. So if she's out of town, I'm never alone. I'm like, no, nah, someone's coming over. You know, if I'm out of town, she's like, I'm by myself drinking coffee, reading a book. This is the best day. I'm like, that sounds like the worst day. Um, so as a family, we've had I've had to work hard to balance that well with her, but I love creating community. So wakeboarding is a good example. My, my son loves to wakeboard. I just got back from Houston, Texas with four other dads, uh, a guy who's a former pastor who leads a, a wakeboard ministry called Wake Well. We all stayed at a house in Texas. It's the second year we've done this trip. Uh, all the dads are believers. Uh, we all care about discipling our kids. All the kids are national competitors at wakeboarding and we end the season by going to this really fun grassroots tournament and then spending three days at a buddy's house, wakeboarding in his backyard and talking about Jesus. And the whole deal is just that it's community. It's like, we, we text all year long. It's called the rad dad Wake club. And it's, it's a, it's a, like, I don't, I don't know that I thrive in that environment. I want there to be community around some sort of passion. And when you can infuse that with Christ it's awesome and with kids it's especially with us we homeschool so our kids aren't around like their classmates all day so i really have to take like hey they have to have some community what is that for my girls it's horseback uh for all of our family it's jujitsu uh and then wake like lake life and then just the people around us that live in this area church um building that community i would say is the one skill that i learned through through seminary and church, I applied to my business, and then now inadvertently have applied to our family. And I think it's probably one of the most important things that we do. That's, That's awesome. Great.
3: Yeah, God, you 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 kind of made me feel like got gave me the chills a little because what you applied is what we're trying to apply to fatherhood and like just this community we're trying to build. So <laughs> it, it gives me hope to know that you know others have seen success applying the same thing. So it's it's nice to know. Sorry, Jordan, yeah. I mean to catch you off. Oh, no, no. No, no,
1: oh, no. I'll I say one more thing about that. Like, I, I travel all over the country and duck hunt with a lot of people, and some of them no one will ever heard, hear of ever. Some of them are, like, super well-known people in the U.S. And, and, and then I go to wakeboard tournaments all over the country, and there are a lot of times that you could go to duck camp, deer camp, wakeboard, you know, competition, and, like, from a spiritual standpoint, you leave and you're like, I need to take a bath. Like I'm, I'm dirty. You know, Like this is, this is not, not the experience I, I needed spiritually speaking. <laughs> and I, I, that challenged me a lot because there were trips that I was like, I can't take my son on this one. And, and then I was like, well, and actually my wife who's the discerning one was like, well, why are you going? You know, I was like, dang, you know, I can, why you gotta ask those questions. But you know, for, for I me, mean, you- mama got you (laughs) she's she's, she's, I trust her she's the wise one Um, but being able to go on these trips and and orchestrate them in such a way that you leave and you're like all right we accomplished like the main goal we wakeboarded we shot ducks we whatever that is and whatever your thing is but we also left and we love Jesus more and I was challenged to be a better dad or a better husband my kid either was influenced by or was able to influence some other kids for Christ. You know, that to me is like, if you're trying to figure out where to go with your kids and their hobbies, that to me is the ultimate Even if it's tournament baseball, you know, like, Hey, you got a group of dads that love Jesus, get on a team. And yeah. Figure out like, all right, win or lose this tournament. How can we travel here and come home next week and look more like Jesus? How can we do that? That's and great. it takes some work, but man, it's, it's, that's, that's been, that's like the passion I have right now for what we do with our kids.
0: That's really cool. It's a great example. We had a, a previous guest, Dave Powers talked a great deal about, he homeschools his kids too. talked about um, how he's really intentional about drawing other men in specifically for his boys for like rites of passage and to also make sure that they have like a community of other men around them and stuff. And so it sounds like you're, you're building a very similar um structure for your kids to have different um you know because yes of course you as the parents are the number one you know you're the primary educators both you know academically spiritually everything right but you don't want to just rely on your own understanding there's obviously value like for you your uncle was a great source of Mm -hmm. um you know growth for you so it's cool to see that you are building these communities um for each of your children and it's a great example that we can kind of try and emulate. And now, my, the gears are turning in my head too. I'm like, okay, how do I replicate something like that with my daughter? Because it's, it's just instantly the efficacy of it is very obvious, right? Long long term, that's going to pay off so mm-hmm. so much more than we could probably imagine, yeah, you know, from the onset. So, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, so I guess we'll come back to the, a question I'm going to have about like the trips and the stuff you did with Noah and, and your kids, but. Um, Is there like a specific point in your life or something that really just kind of brought you to Christ, like completely like that aha moment, you know?
1: Yeah, really too. Um, At the age of seven, uh, I heard the gospel preached at my church. I grew up at Calvary Baptist church in Tupelo and yeah, I was seven, I was young, but for the first time, felt like rather, I mean, I could have told you all the answers to the gospel questions as soon as I could talk. I grew up in the Bible belt, man. Like I knew those answers, but for the first time I felt like it was preached to me. I was like, oh shoot. Like, and I, I remember there were some, there were some specific sins that like came to my mind and I was like, oh, I need forgiveness for those. And, uh, and this guy's told me how I can get that. And so at seven, at maybe at eight, I think after my birthday, I was baptized here, and I I believed the gospel, and I really believe at that moment I was saved. And then there's this weird thing that happens in the South where people are like born again again. You know, it's like they they get old enough to like really know, and they're like, oh, now I'm really getting saved. Um, like I had that experience, but I knew I was saved. I was just like, oh, like I'm I'm walking into a deeper level of faith here um and that was really in high school with my uncle um hearing hearing him preach hearing other people around him preach um my mentor spiritually past him was a guy that had a ministry with him and you know he's a very successful pastor nowadays and uh you know hearing those guys really preach the truth i was like hey i'm this is this is deeper than what i thought it was um the gospel is more than just you know, believe in Jesus and you'll be saved and he'll forgive all the stuff you do. And then just go live your life. Um, and so as I matured and and I was really playing music at that point, so it became important. And that's really what led me to think, all right, whatever I do after this, I want it to be somehow connected to this gospel that that has impacted me. So that was like 17. Um, and, and when I went to, I'll add a third layer to that. When I went to Criswell, I really plugged in with that pastor I mentioned earlier, my uncle, a couple professors at school. And I took like a biblical literacy test when I got there. And I would have told you before I took that, like, I'm about to ace this thing. Um, part of that is I just always have a lot of confidence in my ability to get through a standardized test. <laughs> and the other part is like, I grew up here. I thought I knew the Bible. I made like a 34 out of hundred. I mean, just like total failure. You There's know, a lot. What? A big book. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I thought I knew this. You know, I knew the Sunday school stories, you know. And that first year of school, when my eyes were open to the depths of, for me, it was Reformed theology, um, I was just blown away. At that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to really, really plug in deeper here because this is this is uh, either immensely important or not important at all and it can't be somewhere in the middle so um that was th- those three sort of stepping stones saved at, at eight um like committed to some type of pursuit of ministry at 17 and then like drug into the depths of, of theology at, at college right before i met my wife uh, you know at, at nineteen twenty. it's so great that you plugged in
2: like that's your kind of your, your third community, right? I mean, other than the wakeboarding and the, the hunting, uh, church, I mean, so dads, uh, if you're looking for a brotherhood where you have men that you can trust, that will be holding you accountable in a loving way, you know, the church small group specifically or discipleship group, man, that's such a great place to plug in. And That's where summer and I uh, are pouring in for our kids because you know, that they do go to, to, public school or tcps and you know they get some great community there but church is where we really want them to have that foundational community because they're seeing other kids loving jesus and it's encouraging them okay i see him super happy right i want more of that right and so that's where we really try to plug in for community but um yeah church is is probably the one of the best places that that we've experienced community in tupelo um
1: so I'm, i'm glad that you brought that up that was that was great yeah, it is, and we went through. You know, we we we're not at the church where I worked for ten years and went for twelve years anymore. And love the people there. That was a very tough transition. Uh, I'm a creature of habit and super brand loyal, so any type of change like that is very difficult for me. Yeah, uh, that's not to make it trivial, but um, we are at a great church now. We're at the Orchard, and and uh, some of our best friends are there. My wife leads worship there. The worship team we're all we're all buddies with them, and. Um, my kids, Will yeah, Will's, that man. Will's, he's a saint. He's, man. The he's, he's the guy I was mentioning who takes his kids to all the, the parks. That's what they do, they travel all I the realize time. That I, I uh, love and Will, man. He, uh, yeah, he married, married my his brother, brother, uh, Logan. So his wisdom is <laughs> well, Logan goes to church with us, see him there. Um, it's a great spot. And for my kids, like my son, he doesn't have a class, so like his to what you said brandon his sunday morning class that that's his buddies you know that's the group of guys he knows and uh and then my my daughter's in the youth group which is mind-blowing to me because i was a youth minister you know for 12 years so she should not be in the youth group yet but she is and that's like her deal with (laughs) her community you know and her her best friend that she hangs out with through the week is in her small group at youth group so yeah for sure i mean if you're if you're looking out there for a place to start this community journey with like-minded, like faith individuals, then make that a priority for, for what you want to do with church. I mean, obviously you want to go somewhere where you can stomach the music. Hopefully you like it. You know, you want to go somewhere with somebody who's preaching through the word for me, that's super important, but man, we undervalue community, you know, it's like, Hey, can I come here and and build some relationships and some friendships that influence me? you know, Monday through Saturday. Um, yeah, I feel like super, super important to what you said, Brandon.
0: Yeah, the fellowship is super powerful, um, both for you as an individual, you know, man or woman, and then for your marriage and then for your kids, you know, there's, like you said, connecting and um, especially for men, you know, for me, just in my own marriage, there were points where, because I had a group of other Christian men and some of whom were much older than me, like set in their seventies, right. As part of our small group were able to really talk me through either wrong think or kind of just, you know, be a vessel for for God to kind of like, you know, shake me a little bit, like, Hey, you're wrong. (laughs) You know? Um, and without that, I, I mean, I don't think we would have made it, you know, uh, Mm. either, either my wife needed it too. Right. And so to, to discount, that aspect of what you get through being plugged into a church is uh it's dangerous really so yeah. I, I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper on marriage you know you got married very early um i certainly don't think i would have managed that very well at 21 19. um so yeah. i would assume that you've had a few struggles along the way um, <laughs> you know what are some lessons learned through that and did, how early did you guys start having kids how many years were you married before
1: I mean, lessons learned from, and my wife, she would fully agree. Uh, lessons learned from getting married at 21 or 19 is don't do that. <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, I, <laughs> I would marry her again tomorrow on my doorstep. But um, 10 of 10 do not recommend getting married that young. <laughs> um, we, we were very young. And that's a Bible college kind of thing. You know, she had already had one guy proposed before I met her. And it was her first semester at school. So it was, uh, I met my wife and, and we started dating, uh, kind of casually just, Hey, I like you, you know, I went to Bible college, dude. Like if a pretty girl shows up, that's like, if a girl shows up, that's like one for every seven or eight dudes. I think if a pretty one, like a good looking girl shows up, that's, that's a, that's a unicorn. So I was like, all right, I got to figure this, this whole thing out. And, um, I had not met her family yet and I wrecked my sport bike with her on the back of it. The twins remember i used to i used to race moto gp sport bikes. i remember
3: hearing about that <laughs> yeah,
1: so that's how i met her I like, dad oh, like God. here's your daughter and what's left of her arm you know it was not not I had a lot of road rash and uh, so did i had a bunch of road rash it was a bad one um and you know that was a big watershed moment for me i wrecked this motorcycle with her on the back of it and i held on to her for a second i had my my right arm on the pavement of uh, i-635 in dallas probably 200 sport bikes. It was on bike night. Uh, I was in a group called uh, Texas or Dallas stunt riders, which is stupid. Um, And they were, someone has it on film. They were filming us. I've never seen it. And as soon as I, my arms started to get really hot, I let her go. And I remember in that moment, I was like, I, I felt her flip. And then I flipped and we were, we were going like 60 miles an hour. And I was like, I may have just killed this girl. And I really like her. And it was this like, gut punch like how could you be so childish like it was an immediate grow-up moment I don't know if you've had any of those but it was like I went from here to up here really fast and um I, she was fine we were both all right and I met her family and um, we we met in July started dating and that happened in August we got engaged uh, New Year's Eve that same year and got married in July so we had our one-year dating anniversary as a married couple Wow, so, uh, very quick. What did uh, her dad say to you? Um, you know he. he he's,
0: he's <laughs> I don't not, think I'd
1: be too happy if my daughter first time of meeting. No, her, he's uh, a, he's he's a great guy. He's a missionary in Kenya, um, and he's he was a worship pastor in Texas at that point in time, and he's a. I I I learn a lot from him, and he helps temper me a good bit. He is significantly more passive than I am because I would have killed me. Um, you know I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram eight son. It would have been, Hey, we're the same. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, My rifle's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thankfully he was gracious, you know? And, uh, I I did, I drove her home and I was like, Hey, I did this. You know, I'm, I'm really sorry. Nice to meet you guys. I really like your daughter. Um, sorry about this whole deal. Uh, I, I manned up and handled it like I should have, but it, it was not super fun. Um, but we, we fell in love very quickly. We had the same faith. Um, same faith backgrounds and personality wise were very different enough that where we, we got along. Well, um, I can't be around, like, I, I could have married someone who was an Enneagram eight or any, any, and I, the Enneagram wasn't even out then, I don't think, but somebody that challenged me would have been a problem. Little did I know how much she would challenge me later on. Cause she's, I mean, there's, she's so sanctifying in my life. And I mean that in a positive way. Like I'm, I am such a, a better human being because of my wife. Um, but we got married at an age where she never experienced like any type of like college going out, having fun, being your own person. She went from living with her parents to living with a roommate and dating me. And, um, it, you know, yeah, several years in we, we had a really rough patch. Uh, I don't even know how many years in that would have been, I guess like eight, nine, 10 years in, uh, where we, we barely made it out. Still married. Um. I mean it was it was rough for years and we had young kids it's a lot to go into we had a uh, failed adoption which is uh one of the worst experiences of my entire life yeah. um i mean three years of just really like absolute darkness uh while trying to start a business having other kids that are healthy and happy and you're trying to enjoy being a parent and the lord brought us through all that and was in- incredibly gracious to us and uh here we are happily married 15 years and and truly like at a point where like we, we really love being married like we're it's, yeah. it's yeah. super fun um we had kids at um naomi was born in 2010. we got married in eight so two and a half years into our marriage we had our first child and we had them two years apart uh after that and then we so had, how old uh, were you when you became a dad uh i was 20 yeah 20, 20, 23 yeah 23 and a half. Yeah, I thought so yeah so, yeah young dude which is Very, crazy because right. I thought that was like, I was like, oh, it's normal. Now, like, people are like, yeah, I'm getting married. I'm like, how old are you? Like, 21. I'm like, dude, do not do. <laughs> Please hold the phone. Uh, but, yeah, it, was, I it think,
0: was. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is kind of like our way of life is different. I think, sure. You know, I know, uh, you know, like, my grandparents, they were like one of nine kids, you know, both sides sure. of the family. And I think just people just started earlier. You, you could afford to, I would argue. Uh, that,
1: that's, a, that's a topic for another episode. But I think if the Lord had left me on my own through the rest of my 20s, I don't know that I would have made it. Yeah. 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 True. I'm being honest with that. Yeah. I think my wife is, and she would interpret that as like, oh, I'm the boring one, and you didn't have as much fun. It's not that. It's just I was incredibly reckless. Yeah. You know, and and she was really like the thing that grounded me. So I think it was a little bit of the Lord's intervening, like, hey, you're not going to make it through your 20s if you don't have something that like, yeah. something that keeps you living. Yeah. It's not That's good happening. that you should be alone. Here's one. Yeah, yeah not, <laughs> I feel that way. When she's out of town, I'm like, this is the worst thing for me. Like, I am the worst version of me when she leaves. I'm like, I, I need you to just be home. Like, it, it's everything is better. She's, she was supposed to be gone until tomorrow, and they're driving home tonight. So I was like, thank goodness. You know, I, I can't even, like, go to sleep. I'm just like, nah, nah, the, the world's not right if she's not at the house.
2: Yeah, and I think I think it was a blessing. Like for summer, and me, we met when we were fifteen and sixteen. So you know, going on twenty three years, it's like I look back and it's like, man, the end of my high school days, and then my college years would have been disaster for my life if I didn't have summer in it. So I, I, I feel. I mean, Yeah, exactly I didn't, were. Yeah, <laughs> just, I didn't have single. anybody. <laughs> yeah but no with that said were you guys equally yoked as far as your walk or Mm -hmm. did she okay
1: no for sure I was going into ministry and this this is a it's kind of I don't know how much we want to get into this but it's a good subject it's just um, I don't know how much we want to get into like marital counseling but I was going into ministry her dad uncle uncle granddad were pastors so her identity was I'm I'm a I'm a female in the Baptist world, living under a um a, a man who is the head of the house who is a Baptist minister. That was the world she grew up in. So obviously, you know, dating a guy that had tattoos and rode a motorcycle was her like rebellion, but I was gonna be a minister. I was in seminary, you know, like it was like I didn't go, she didn't go too far. She went like two blocks over, you know, she didn't go to the next neighborhood. <laughs> so I was in ministry and all was well. We moved to Mississippi. She, she she's from Texas. Um, she did not want to come here, but once we had kids here, she, she loved it truly to what you said, Justin. I mean, I, I wanted to leave this place and put it in the rearview mirror and never come back. And then now I'm like, I can't think of a better place to raise kids than like where I am. Um, change so it. It's it's there's, there's, you know, it's give and take, but I love Dallas, Texas. I love the big city. We moved back here. I'm working in the church. And then I start doing this, this new business. And then fast forward, all of a sudden she's the wife of an entrepreneur who's traveling around the country three months out of the year hunting and is no longer working at a church. Well, that's like a full blown identity crisis for a girl whose whole life has been, I live under the roof and around surrounded by men who are working for the church. There's, there's a whole, but then that, Led to the unraveling of my whole life. I've had to look the part of a minister's wife, or a minister's daughter, or a minister's granddaughter. Because there's a lot that come in, and that's a big thing. We try so hard. I'll I'll tell you. uh, Yeah, I'll give you. uh, This is going to make me emotional, but I'll, I'll I'll share with you how this has impacted our life. So, my youngest is like wild. She's ADHD. She's the definition of it. She's awesome. But because of her ADHD, she forgets stuff like tonight. She forgot to take her belt to jujitsu. I can't really even get mad at her. She literally got it out and put it in the driveway and then just left it in the driveway. Like that's that, but her brain works that way. We pulled up to church a few months ago, and she forgot her shoes. So we're walking into church and she's got no shoes. And I am livid. Bethany is like pretty much mortified, you know, as a mom. My kid showed up here. We are at church. No shoes. What are people going to think of us? And yeah. yeah. And we know the answers to that. Like, is no one's going to care. But like in that moment, it's like, I'm so imprinted with like, she grew up and like, Hey, put a smile on girls. We're going to church. She has, she has two sisters. She's the middle. So put a smile on girls. We're going to church. You know, you, if you, if you look sad, if anything's wrong with you, it's going to reflect on your dad who works here. Right. And, and thankfully, we've had all these great conversations with her parents about this, too, which is great. I grew up with a dad who worked for the school system. And if I got in trouble in high school, maybe that impacts my dad's job. You know, like there's a lot of weird pressure there. And we're walking to church and I'm just like so mad. I'm like getting, the, you know, Miriam's boohooing because she's embarrassed that she has to go to church without shoes on. And I'm like, oh, you're going, you know, you're going in there. And Bethany's just like, can we please go home? You know, dude, I turn around my oldest daughter who's 12 is walking in with my youngest daughter and my oldest daughter doesn't have her shoes on. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just thought Marion would feel more comfortable if I didn't wear my shoes. And I was like, dang, man, I, I failed. You know, yeah. I, I succeeded if I raised you that way. Right. But man, like, I'm so worried about this stupid stuff that doesn't matter. And my oldest daughter is like, all I care about is that Miriam wants to go into church. Like yeah. if I don't have to, if I can just right. go barefoot, then who cares? And man, that was, that was super impactful for me in the moment. And really is like this microcosm of my wife and I realizing, like, shoot, <laughs> we, the way the, the pressures that came from growing up the way we did. And from our first several years of marriage really weigh on us even still. And sometimes yeah. have this massive impact
0: i'm glad you brought that up because that's you know that's kind of my personal testimony is like really unpacking your past uh especially like childhood and stuff and how that really weighs on your marriage and how you show up as a parent and um you know even if you were raised pretty well had a pretty good upbringing there's still some things that were probably not great and Mm -hmm. if you never identify that it's not to play victim it's not to be like oh i'm because my parents are horrible i get to be horrible myself it's You have to like figure out what went wrong so that you can Mm -hmm. not repeat it or you can identify oh okay this is why i have a short temper or something right whatever the thing is for sure um yeah i mean that mindfulness and maybe it's therapy maybe it's you know counseling whatever um doing some of that work to dig into that is i think a lot of people don't do that and that's where they run into a lot of problems because you're always kind of reacting at we could get way off into this, but your body actually trains itself as a physical response. So any any stimulus anywhere in the world that is similar to childhood stuff, your body takes over and you're not even thinking anymore. You're reacting like a, a traumatic response almost. And if you don't do any of that work, you can't untrain that response. And so you'll start snapping at people or whatever it is that how you lash out. So it's very serious. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you never peel the onion back a little bit there's no way to undo that so
1: yeah so you're you said you're enneagram eight um obviously you know fairly fairly type a some type of leader or you wouldn't be doing this um and i listened to a couple of other podcasts you wouldn't have done what you did in the military all that right was it and i hate to be like flipping the script and asking you questions but was it was it difficult for you to accept the reality that you needed to have some counseling and some help to peel the layers of that onion back in order for you to become better. Or did you have like this sense of like, oh, I can make myself better or I don't need that.
0: Um, so I was never like against counseling. I'd actually done it since I was like a teenager, you know, like therapists and stuff, but um, more intensive, like kind of group therapy things that I've got, you know, you go for like a week at a time. I've been to several different of those things. Um, were where I had those harder moments where yeah. I had to really confront. Oh, I am this type of person, or I have done these things, you know, and to and to not downplay them and to fully own it and to be like, okay, I, you know, that's some of the darkness that I've done, right? And I can't undo that. So, um going forward, I have to be better. That type of thing. So th- those were the hard moments because it's like I didn't want to admit to myself that uh. I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, you know, we, a lot of people talk about this is wearing the masks. That was me, uh, my whole life, you know, I'm the oldest and put on, you know, put on the brave face and, you know, achieve and all that stuff. And, um, it gets heavy. It's really yeah. heavy. And, yeah. and internally too, you're like, if they only knew, right, that's, that's the voice in yeah. your head. And so when you finally put all that down and you finally let off all this armor that you didn't need to wear, you can breathe again, you know, mm-hmm. like I just did it right now, I was <laughs> just yeah. thinking about it, and um so it's very freeing and liberating, but uh, yeah, I'm really getting long winded no, here but it it's if you don't do that work and you don't confront yourself, especially if you're a type eight or uh similar to like you and me, uh you're never gonna recover, you're never gonna heal, no. you're just gonna drive people away from you, and uh. I'm really glad that I had people in my life from multiple angles kind of step in and push me in the directions I needed to get pushed um to be where I am yeah. today. Obviously I want to keep growing and improving but if I look back over the past 10 years I mean just the amount of growth <laughs> is insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? I feel that. It's it was tough for me. I was I'm first born all A's, 4.0 just didn't really take a wrong step. If I did, it was funny enough that people just laughed about it. You know, it was like, Oh, well you made a mistake, but it, you were funny, you know, like it. And, uh, getting to a low where I was like, I need help. And then someone saying like, well, I think this, you're, the way you were raised and brought up might impact this. And it's like, what? nothing's wrong with the way I was raised. You What are you talking about? And finally, and then my wife, <laughs> uh, after we had kids actually got a master's degree in, in Christian counseling and then pursued further education in trauma counseling. So she is a counselor and she, she counsels mostly women who've been victims of sexual abuse. So she's, she's the, the definitely the wise one. And she's the, yeah, she's, she's definitely the get it, get it, you know, get deep <laughs> in there and get it all out. And I'm just like, I don't really want anyone down in there. I don't want you. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. And so it, it took me years to be like, okay with working on myself for sure. And and allowing somebody else to like truly hear, Hey, this is how this impacted me. And it might be impacting how I raised my kids, you know, and yeah. how I love my wife and all that and pain, pain and grief, both
2: there's the, there's a bit of that denial that, that mm-hmm you've brought yourself to that place or you your your past has done that and so for me like i'm the guy that always wants to fix it myself like i grew up wanting to be a psychologist and i was always a psych buff and reading books and like when i wasn't fitting in i'd read books about being social you know like i was just the kid that was trying to fix it myself i wasn't leaning and i think it was because my dad was gone monday through friday i didn't have the person to lean on other than my grandfather and i saw him maybe three or four times a year so it for me, it was fixing it myself. And man, I can I can definitely relate to how tough it is to root out something that's not good for your life because you're having to kill a part of yourself and it's Mm. painful, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, realizing you're in that state of denial and then addressing it like luckily I had summer and summer would just say, hey, look, this is something that you you do. And whether you fix it yourself or you seek help, you got to do something to do it because it's Mm -hmm. it's going to harm your relationships. And so yeah man that's that's a huge part of uh, of keeping a, a marriage intact as well for sure. I,
0: you know if yeah, I'm reflecting on a little bit to kind of re-answer your question Barton um it was the the fear of when you finally admit to others
1: yeah
0: who you are who yeah, you, you really sake. are and what you've done and the fear of like I'm everyone will reject me and yeah. no one will accept me and they're going to hear me say this and they're going to be like, dude, who are you? And they're going to leave this session right, as I you know what I mean? And then have the exact opposite happen after you let it out. And there's yeah. just nothing but acceptance and for sure, not, not, not to like downplay sure. any wrongdoing you've done, but to just be like, Hey, we've all screwed up. And, uh, it took a lot of courage to say that. And then, we build up these false walls you know they're like invisible barriers that we convince ourselves are there and the second you step out in vulnerability like that um they all disappear <laughs> you know and you were the one who put them there in the first place you being yourself not not you to me but yeah That's the perfect
1: analogy. That's the analogy that my counselor used with me when, when my wife was going through a really, really difficult bout of depression, uh, and then flipped the script and used it on me when we realized that this was my issue was different, but she had built this wall around her heart. That was everything that was good. That was spoken about her was untrue and not believable and everything that was ugly was true. And the wall went up and it was like, Hey, I only accept these things. And I was like, I don't know how to fix this to your point, Brandon. I was like, I don't know what I can do. Cause she's, I tell her like, Hey, I actually look, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful human. You're wise. You're this, you're a great mom. And none of these things are, are getting in. And he was like, it's just sit at the wall and take these rocks of truth and chunk them at the wall. And he was like, eventually you're going to bust a hole big enough for some light to get through. And that's your job. You can't break the wall down at once. You're not going to, but just throw rocks of truth at the wall, whether it's scripture or truth about her. Well, then that script flipped on me because my wall was you're tough. You got it. You don't need any help. You know, you, you can't make mistakes. If you do just pretend like it didn't happen, you know? And so that's the wall that's going to be torn down for me all the time, every day. I have to ask the Lord to do that. Just, Hey, remind me that I'm not totally self-sufficient and self-reliant. I need you. I need this family. I need community. I need all these things because in my flesh, I don't need anything. You know, I'm totally good. And that's not the truth. You're such yeah, a type I, eight. I, <laughs> <it's>
3: <laughs>
1: a real problem. We're like the uh, same I, person.
0: <laughs>
3: I, say, I, I like how we talked about who's the eldest and, and some of the things like, it's so important when, if you have kids, fathers with, siblings, it's so important that you are present. Um, I'm a great example of that. I'm the eldest in my family. I'm one of four. Um, Brandon kind of carved his own path. He's he's always been his own, who he is, you know, and I had Jordan and Logan constantly following me around. So I was kind of there on the example, like on a regular daily basis besides my parents. And I, like that gets heavy. It's a burden after a while, you know, and and that's why it's so important to be present. And that's one of the reasons I honestly, I, we all started. This was one of the, the brainchild ideas from this in my head was we need to, we need to bring more attention to the things that parents need to be doing or that we need to be doing ourselves as parents. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for two things, my father being present and a song by, uh, actually probably my favorite artist NF it's called mansion. And literally everything you guys have said or related is exactly what that song is about, except for he's had so many, so many trials and tribulations. He lost his mom to an overdose and uh, he just talks about how he never lets anybody in because it's, it's scary. And, and he talks about the walls and the different rooms in his mind that he has. And it's this big mansion and, you know, it's, it's unbelievable what that song did for me. Uh, one of my darkest times when I was going through a very public divorce and I was being uh, verbally abused on an absolute daily basis. And my brain, I just, I kept trying to get myself out of that. And I I started feeling like the, the person that this other person was telling me I was. And this song helped me to deal and cope with those things, understanding that someone else knew where I was. And I still, to this day, I still struggle with it. I have walls up. And I have to say the most beautiful thing is that the day my son was born for the first time in my life, I felt like I can love someone unconditionally and know that they would a hundred percent love me back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a wall up for the first time in my life. Mm. And it was so freeing. And it's one of the reasons I knew I always wanted to be a dad, but um, I've never really shared that story, but my, my father and I were on a walk right before I went through my divorce. And, um, I kept asking him the same questions like, am I this person? Am I this? Do I deserve this? And he's like, absolutely not. And then he he suggested therapy to me and the things that he said to me and, and just being present and being there for me, it, honest to God saved my life. So I love what you guys said because, you know, walls and barriers are something as men we all build and especially as fathers and sons, brothers, siblings, whatever the case may be. But if you have those feelings, I highly suggest any of you get help because we are so quick to say I don't need help. Like Barton said, you know, we don't, we don't need this. I'm good. I'm tough. I'm this. Mm-hmm. I'm that. Well, you could be this and that, and you could still be struggling. You can still be hurting. You can still have walls so high that nobody's ever going to get them. So, yeah, I don't mean to go on a
0: tangent. And the, well, the help so. isn't also just like go see a therapist all the time. It's having like sure. a community of other. Like-minded mm-hmm. guys, or, or better guys who can kind of help you weed through the lies and help help pull you into what's true. Like Barton was saying, and yeah, it, it's not all just therapy, right? It, it's it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of outlets, but just don't bottle it up and think yeah. like you can just grit your teeth and
1: bear it. Somebody, it's super important for me to have somebody who's walked a little further down the trail. That's a big one for me. Okay. I I know what's down here. Come on, like you're you're good. Let's keep going because yeah i become self-reliant and that wisdom they can pass on is good that song is actually on Noah's uh wakeboard playlist just nice. amazing loves, song he yeah. it, right?
3: everything he does is incredible man he's yeah. he's a genius honest yeah. to God I think he's the best lyrically yeah. that there's ever been yeah he's, he's
1: unreal I'm a little
3: biased so uh, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to change gears here will go to another happy place but uh, we were talking about trips earlier. Um, and obviously, you guys spend a lot of time in the water. But as far as like land destinations, um, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, either your favorite place that you've taken Noah as a father son duo or, uh, you know, that you've taken the girls. I'm sure you've taken the girls on their own solo yeah. trip. Like which which dynamic worked with your son and which one worked with your daughters and which places did you like the most and why?
1: Yeah. So my favorite place to take my son is my buddy's duck club called Wild Wings in Stuttgart uh connor reddick's his name he's one of my best friends on earth and uh they have a i mean for duck hunters it's heaven it's unbelievable and it's green timber hunting it's a incredible quick boat ride in where you're flying through trees you're standing in the trees the weather's usually not insane there you know a lot of the places i hunt it gets pretty inclement so this is a uh, usually in the 40s and the hunts are usually pretty quick which is good if you're if you're out there and you're considering taking your kids hunting Always, always make sure that their first few hunts are high, high, high likelihood of success. Uh, you do not want kids having to sit there and uh, learning patience is great. There's plenty of time for that. But if you want your kids to be outdoorsmen and like to hunt, they need to love it and like going out and smoking a bunch of ducks. That'll that'll do it. Um, going out and be like, "This is what hunting's like." We we'll sit here for four hours and don't see anything. They're not going to want to go back. So <laughs> if you want to get them hooked, kill a bunch of stuff. And uh, this this is plan for success. Areas. Yes, yes. So and man, we cook and hang out at the lodge and have fire pit, and it's really just like man time. So Wild Winks is my favorite place to take my son. The girls are are a little different. They're honestly like lower maintenance than my son. He like has to be entertained all the time. He he's constantly got to go. They're just happy to be with me wherever we go. My oldest daughter loves to go on hunting trips, just me and her. Um, but for them, the the best trips for them are usually like either hiking um go into a place where there's like waterfalls we can walk to or go into the beach they love the beach so the girls want to be in the sun play on the sand chill they want me to sit there and watch them without a phone in my hand that's what they want they want me unplugged from technology and we don't even have to talk they just want me to be present and sit there and hang out on the beach so that's my favorite thing to do with them is uh do a little little beach trip Awesome. That's awesome yeah yeah well i want to shift gears
2: a little bit i'm a i'm a very high type three four and seven kind of a hybrid oh, shoot. and so i'm very introspective and very philosophical and so my question to you uh and take your time if you need to but if you knew your time on this earth was almost up what piece of advice would you leave your kids oh shoot um
1: listen to your mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the wise right, one. We're going to uh, rap right now. <laughs> yeah, cut. Um no, I'm still processing 3 4 and 7. 4 and 7, that's that's great. Um yeah, it makes a lot of sense for you truthfully. No, I mean that in a very, my wife's a 4 wing 3. So, um yeah, uh for my kids, last piece of advice if time is short. Man, I would probably tell them to Chase after the Lord, surrounded by a community of people who are chasing after the Lord, and the rest of it will work out. Um, Amen. The the thing I'm thinking about is if that's my answer to this question, why don't I tell them that every day? That's Man. that's the that's where my brain goes. <laughs> yeah, shoot! So, so, good. so I, the follow. I, I, I
2: was I, gonna say the follow up to that would be then what's what's the legacy you hope to leave them
1: yeah um i mean that's a great one i think about that actually a lot um and i you know i hope the things that they know are i love their mom really well through difficult times and through the best times and i've worked my butt off doing something i believed in but i never sacrificed my family to do that so for me the legacy has been building a, a, a business that two businesses that i really love and working really, really hard, but being able to look back and say, I still was able to prioritize my family. Um, That's, uh, that's why I get to do fun podcasts with guys like you, is because I think that's been fairly evident, you know? Um, But for me, that's, that's the legacy is the time. I can't replace that. 12, 10 and eight, I have so many years gone right now. I mean, it's depressing. It is awful for me to think. I'm over halfway there with my days of having them in my house and I have days where I love to get back, but for the most part I can say, Hey, I would, I invested a lot of time. And so that's, that's the legacy for me.
3: Nice. Yeah. It's legacy is a hard thing, man. Cause you, you think about it all the time and you're, you're trying to think of the different legacies you want to leave. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, you mentioned jujitsu jitsu earlier um, and that you have your, your kids in it. Um, I guess not so much what drove you to put the kids in it, but what do you, what have you seen the kids gain from something like jujitsu, where there's discipline and respect and things like that?
1: Well, we could have a whole other podcast. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, my kids started before I did, the older two. Um, Naomi and Noah started a friend of mine that I used to actually ride motorcycles with was a Taekwondo instructor who went heads head first into Jiu Jitsu about 14 years ago. And now he's got a Gracie, uh, certified training center here. And he would run into me around town and I'd have Naomi and Noah with me. And he was like, "You need to get them in Jiu Jitsu? And I was like, dude, they're five. He was like, they need to start rolling. And I was like, all right, I'll think about it. So I started Naomi when she was, um, eight and a half, nine. And then Noah started at like seven and um, he would always push me, you know, you need, you need to train, you need to train. I'm I'm like, I'm in my thirties, you know, and uh, to be blunt, I spent the first, I I would say from like 22 to 32, 10 years, like avoiding exercise at all costs, drinking Mountain Dew, uh, drinking, whatever I wanted to drink, eat, whatever I wanted to eat and gaining weight with every kid and, and wound up at, um, in 2019, I was like 50 pounds overweight, very unhappy, didn't sleep, couldn't do a single pull up, couldn't run a mile, um, just was way out of shape. So I've spent the last four years trying to rectify that. Uh, and so at 36, I'm in the best shape of my life. And, uh, starting jujitsu two years ago was definitely a, a massive piece of that puzzle. And there's a lot physically and philosophically. There's a lot that you can unpack there. I'm I'm happy that we can go as long or short as you want. You you learn a little bit about yourself the first time you get choked out.
0: Uh, (laughs) You learn about how how a small person or a a lot weaker person with really good technique can just dominate you in a matter of seconds. Yeah,
1: people don't get that. Yeah. i'm like look you see that little dude over there he's 60 years old and he might weigh 150 pounds but he could destroy every person in this room you yeah. know yeah so it's uh it's yeah i it's i can talk forever about jujitsu it's it's a huge passion of, of our whole family and there are so many things that jujitsu teaches you that one being one you know leverage is super important and and learning how to use leverage pyramid principle using how you know using the ground up um, using strength from the ground uh, for kids that stuff is super important and they learn really self defense jiu jitsu and then my son has started doing some competitive rolling and this is I've really kind of held him back from that because for him everything he wants everything to be a competition he's a he's a boy and I've wanted jiu jitsu to be a life skill for him before it was a sport and so this is the first year I'm going to let him roll competitively, but he'll, he'll take your arm off. He's, he's a little savage on the mats. Um, <laughs> I love it. And then just teaching them like to jujitsu is such a great sport for learning how to just overcome difficulty. Like it, it's, it's, um, I, I have claustrophobia and so rolling it. I, I, and I'm also really big into no nogi jitsu but when I roll in a gi and someone ties me up, I don't know if any of you guys train. Georgie, you might sound like I don't baby.
0: do jiu jitsu. I've done like I did well, I'm a black belt in taekwondo. I was super competitive yeah. growing up in that, um, and then did combatives and stuff in the military. So it's like pseudo jiu jitsu. Yeah. I was a wrestler in high school, perfect. Yeah, so all cool. the bases, there. a lot of the same principles, where it's like for sure, Mark size four. doesn't always matter, <laughs> technique is that's right, matters a lot, especially when it comes to like choking someone out, you know, yeah. like they get your back, you're done. That's very it. Quickly. I, yeah, I, like, I had a buddy in basic course, he was. I think he was a black belt in jujitsu. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a wrestler. I can take you, whatever. We were doing our combative stuff. Bro, I've never been more humiliated in my life. Like, two seconds, he'd have me like tapping every time, over and over and over for like an hour.
1: I (laughs) experienced that two or three nights a week. And it's, uh, it's uh, tough. I make it a point to roll with as many people that are way better than me as I do people that I'm way better than. And it's, it's character building for sure. And then just overcoming difficulties. Um, you know, there's a jujitsu principle called the river principle, which is the, the water throws flows around the rock. And that one to me is a huge one. You run into a rock. You don't just sit there and pound on the rock. Water goes around the rock, figure out a way. And so we, we say work the problem. And my, you know, my son all the time, you know, dad, I can't get this to work. We're like work the problem, dude, like figure it out. What are you going to do? You're going to have to make adjustments here. You can't just keep trying the same thing. There's, a million little things like that from, from Jiu-Jitsu that uh, have been an awesome impact for our life. My wife does not work. I won't say we're like a Jiu-Jitsu family. Um, as awesome as she is, she does not like any physical discomfort at all. So like if I come home and start messing with her, trying to put her in any t- sort of Jiu-Jitsu pin and like two hairs get pulled, she's like, this is why I don't do Jiu-Jitsu. Like she's, she's out on that. And she'll tell you, she would tell you right now. Yeah. I'm just not into pain. Uh, but the rest of the, the, my three kids and myself, we, we, uh, we love it. That's super fun.
0: And secretly That's as hilarious. a girl dad, you want your girls doing it so they can choke out some punk. If you try something, right.
1: I posted the uh, Instagram story of uh, me and Noah, it was like a, a couple clips of me and Noah working with Naomi. Um, she was doing some sweeps on me and, uh, getting side control on me. And then, um, Swept my son and put him in an arm bar. And uh, I posted it and I was like, just keeping her sharp so your dusty sons don't impress her with their YouTube crew. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Love that. Don't it. you worry. I so love yeah, it. it's 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 I'll great. tell you what. You
3: know, George talks about how he got pinned a few times, but I've actually watched somebody from Tupelo. In a pool party we went to get absolutely destroyed by George, and George is half their size, and it was hilarious. I died Ooh. laughing because this guy got so mad. He's like, man, walked down the street pissed off and came <laughs> on back. I was like, oh, Coyote's R.S., right. come on back. I, I, do
0: remember, <laughs> I do remember the event you're describing. Yep, that was, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I mean, I still know how to wrestle. Um, it's just when you go up against if you go up hey, against someone right. who knows jiu-jitsu very well, they will yeah, dismantle yeah. you regardless. Yeah, without of a doubt. Of anything else
1: yeah there's so much about that on the internet it doesn't work in the street or whatever i mean the the gracie combatives program is super great because it's truly is a street self-defense program and that's where we all started so there is there are strikes there are kicks there are defenses of all that everything is within mind that somebody might punch you in the face uh and then when you get into fun competitive rolling it takes a whole different you know that's more wrestling more pins and then obviously submissions and uh i'm big i'm six foot five 230 so, and I'm I'm not a, I'm no longer a fat 230. I'm a healthy 230. So I have to yeah. I have to remind myself of that when I roll with smaller guys that are the same skill level. I'm like I don't really need to throw my weight around here because it's it's a lot. I'm, if I if I get on your side, it's like parking a truck on there. But then there are some guys at my gym that are like <laughs> 290. So I roll with them. I'm like, oh, this this is what it feels like, <laughs> just to get absolutely desecrated by somebody huge. You know, it's 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 good. It's good for you. Good times. Character building. Well,
3: so one of the questions we ask every single dad, um, I guess, well, I'm trying to think of the way to word it for you. It's, um, so I guess we'll go, since you have three kids with a core memory, um, we usually say like either a story or a core memory that just really stands out to you from your your time as a father uh, that you just really want to talk about, that you just have to share.
1: Oh man, there's a bunch of those. That's, uh, thankfully there, there are a bunch of them. Um, we, we do, like I said, we do trips, not presents for specifically Christmas and stuff like that, which is, is big for us because they have everything they need. I got so sick of putting stuff in garage sales and just, you know, they don't need any more stuff, but the trips are, are irreplaceable, you know? Um, for me, I would say the, one of the the most important ones, uh, for me is it took a lot for me to convince, um, Bethany that we needed a boat. Um, it was, it was not, not on her list of things. And we actually had been through a really, really rough patch in our marriage and, uh, had spent some time kind of separated, kind of working things out ourselves and, when she came home, uh, I was like, Hey, we gotta go to Alabama today to pick something up. And we drove to Alabama and she was like, what's that? And I was like, that's uh, that's our boat, <laughs> you know, we're, we're getting that. And that summer, uh, our kids were, were pretty young. That was maybe 19. Um, but we did a trip with some very like-minded friends that I'd met in the hunting community. And we just spent three nights at their lake house with no cell phone service cooking steak you know grilling chicken and every day out in the water with our kids just who were oblivious that there might have been anything difficult or wrong with their parents or just in the world and it really solidified for me like hey really like no matter what happens I'm working for this like we're we're here and that I think is why boating is so important to us. Like we, we just, we go out in the boat. Like it's our family time unplugged. Every hour we put in the boat, people are like, you got a lot of hours in your boat. I'm like every one of those is hours I spent with my family. It's and kind I, of like I, an extended
3: got, like dinner table. Almost. I literally
1: have a tracker. I'm like, Hey, this boat keeps up with every, every hour it's running. That's, that's all investment every single hour. And so that trip where they were little and they were like, they were tubing. No one could wakeboard. Uh, that we weren't into the board sports yet. They were just like, Jumping off, screaming, having a blast the whole time with friends who loved us and loved us very well in a difficult time, and sort of like they're four or five years ahead of us and like kind of taking our hand and pulled us through. Um, that's probably the core memory for me that I was like, all right, this is this is the path we're going to take raising kids and and being parents and and loving one another well so that we can love our kids well.
0: It's good, man. I love it. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask. Before we kind of wrap here what's you know kind of your top words of wisdom top piece of advice for dads listening
1: ma'am um According to Barton. it's easy to say be present but like to that means a lot of things you know a buddy of mine we joked about this earlier a buddy of mine country music singer has a be where your boots are song and uh i love that like be where you are but like I train dogs for a living for a while and a lot of, and I teach people how to train dogs through our app. And a lot of what we do is teach people how to read dogs, like read the dog's behavior. What's the dog telling you through its body language and all that. Well, for me, being present with your kids is reading them. I've got a son who has separation anxiety. I never had that. In fact, as my personality, like I was a guy that was like, what do you mean you have anxiety? Like about what, like, what are you scared about? You know? And like, I would just dismiss it. You know, thankfully my wife helped me get through all that. And I'm, I'm no longer a jerk about anxiety. Um, I have a daughter who has ADHD and these are like trivial problems, but I I wouldn't handle any of these. Well, if I wasn't present and like listening to them, like, it's easy to react in the moment, but it's, it's another thing to be present and say, what are they really going through right now? Like what's going on in their, in their brain? How are they ticking? Uh, We all talked about Enneagram types, except for you, Justin, but I'm sure, you know, but like, what's your kid's Enneagram type? Have, Have you like studied your kid enough? And I'm not saying that's like a, that's not an end all be all, but like, can you describe your kid's personality and the way they react and like what is it that sets them off? What is it that makes them disappointed? For me, that's being present. It's like, I'm around my kid enough that I know how, I know how each one of them, they work. I know the ins and outs. And um, that's something that I don't think I experienced growing up a whole, whole lot. Um, and it's important as a dad for me. I know the triggers. I know when I'm at a concert and I can tell the auditory input is, my son loves rocking out the metal. But I can tell it's starting to create some anxiety because I can just see it in his face. And I'm like, hey, dude, you ready to go? Let's go get a hot dog. You know, and we're out because I've recognized those things just because I pay attention. Right. That's it. <clears throat> I have failed at that a lot of times. Um, there are times where I've gotten really mad at Miriam because of something she did that it was just ADHD. Like that's the way her brain worked. And I got mad because it, it was, uh, you know, well, I'll get into this last thing on that. That's a great question. Uh, My biggest piece of advice for dads when you have young kids is to only discipline your children for sin. The Lord only is ever angry at sin. And I'm very prone to get mad at my kids like if I'm inconvenienced or if they did something that's childish, right? They're children. Like that's what they're going to do. So my wife and I like made out this list and I'm sure it's probably written by lots of people, but for us, it was like, uh, deliberate disobedience, dishonesty, deliberate destruction, um, and, uh, disrespect. So not respecting your elders. So those are the four D's of discipline. If it's not that you just don't get in trouble. Like we tell you, Hey, don't do that again. Like don't spill your milk in the truck, but, um, we don't freak out about things that aren't, part of those four things where it's actually like, Hey, you, you really committed a sin here and we need to teach you that sin has consequences and it's for the consequences go beyond just you. And that's what the Lord teaches us. And he punishes sin only because as a dad, I found it easier and probably worldlier to just punish things that I didn't like or made me late or spilled, you know, made me have to clean something up. So I was very guilty of that. And uh, I've had to apologize to my kids a lot, which is another piece of advice. Never be scared to apologize to your kids. Um, but I've had to apologize to my kids a lot and say, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have even gotten mad at you about that. That's on me. Because um, that's not, you, you didn't mess anything up. You, you didn't do anything wrong. So yeah, that's a long answer, but that's.
0: No, it's, that's really good, man. Uh, oh, hit me right here. But I, I'm just as guilty of you know disciplining or getting a little angry when you're inconvenienced. And I think every dad has had, those moments so i think we all know exactly what you're talking about um but wanted to give a minute for you to kind of plug where people can get engaged with you and especially if they're looking for dog training and so what's the best places to connect with you
1: sure um i'm on social just my name barton ramsey on uh on instagram and facebook and i think people sometimes follow me thinking it's going to be like a cool hunting account and it's just a dad account it's like me and my kids hanging out so it's a fun account to follow yeah, I appreciate that. A lot of cooking. Uh, and then Southern Oak Kennels and Cornerstone Gundog Academy. Southern Oak Kennels, if you're interested in a British Labrador Retriever. Cornerstone Gundog Academy, if you have a dog or are getting a dog and you want to learn or uh, become a better dog trainer or dog handler, it's all on your phone, accessible on the app. Over 600 videos of, hey, here's start to finish how you, how you train a dog. So all that's on Facebook, on uh, the web, and on Instagram. Awesome, man.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, I'll let you know if I'm in the market for a hunting dog. <laughs>
3: do it. I just want to go hunt, you. <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah
0: I'm, we'll have to set up a present
1: father's hunting trip. I would love yeah, to do that. Should. I'm in a group of guys we'll that do, do things that. like that, and I tell people all the time, I don't get to invite people hunting very much because most of my hunts I'm invited on. And it stinks because I have this massive list of people. I'm like, I love to hunt with that guy. Yeah. One day, maybe the Lord will bless me with this cool spot where I can take people hunting. Right now, right. Like, I, I live in Guntown, so there's no <laughs> ducks here. <laughs> All right, well, Barton, it has been an absolute privilege to reconnect with
0: you and to uh, just learn from you and your stories and your experience. Um, just a wealth of information in this episode. So appreciate your willingness to share and and uh, just be real. And uh, I think I speak for everyone been a real pleasure so
1: talk dads or go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say thanks for having me man this was super fun and and i do a ton of podcasts where we just talk about ducks and dogs so it's really really refreshing to do one where we talk about stuff that is significantly and eternally (laughs) more important so i appreciate you guys doing this and using your your platform for something that i think and hope will be a a massively positive influence on on dads out there
0: that's the goal man we just want to help dads out there because uh, we all have our own struggles and stuff. So thank you for contributing and, and uh, making a difference. So with that, dads, enough talk. Let's get climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. See you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.